Support for this podcast is provided by Paradox, the conversational AI company helping global talent acquisition teams at Unilever, McDonald's and CVS Health get recruiting work done faster. Let's face it, talent acquisition is full of boring administrative tasks that drag the hiring process down and create frustrating experiences for everyone. Paradox's AI assistant, Olivia, is shaking up that paradigm, automating things like applicant screening, interview scheduling, and candidate Q&A, so recruiters can spend more time with people, not software. Curious how Olivia can work for your team? Then visit paradox.ai to learn more. There's been more of scientific discovery more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi there, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to a very special episode 434 of the Recruiting Future podcast. Those of you who've read my book, Digital Talent, available wherever you get your books, will know that I feel very strongly that personalisation is the new megatrend in talent acquisition. Offering personalised recruitment marketing, candidate journeys, assessments, feedback, onboarding and communication will be critical objectives for employers over the next few years. Candidates are demanding it, the technology is here to facilitate it, and the amount of friction that will get removed from recruiting processes will be a win for candidates, recruiters and hiring managers. Two weeks ago, the awesome team at Paradox invited me to speak and record some interviews at their client board event in Scottsdale, Arizona. Paradox is a technology that is really driving the progress of personalisation. It was really insightful to talk to some of their clients about the need for personalisation in their TA processes and the change journeys they're taking their recruiters and hiring managers on to make personalisation happen. I'll be sharing these interviews over two episodes of the show. Later in this episode, you'll get to hear from Adam Chen, Chief Marketing and Experience Officer at the Immunity Collective, Rachel O'Connell, VP of HR at Great Wolf Lodge, and the return to the show of Victor Gaines, SVP of Talent Acquisition at Aviana Healthcare. But first of all, I sat down with the amazing Madeline Lurano, founder of Aptitude Research, to get her views on the drive towards greater personalization. Hi, Madeline. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Matt. I'm excited to be here and in person. Absolutely. Face to face. We're currently sitting in the Arizona midday sun, um, only vaguely in the shade, um, with some fountains behind us that you may or may not be able to hear. For people who, who, who may not know you, could you just introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Sure. So my name is Madeline Lerano, and I'm the founder of a company called Aptitude Research, and we do research on HCM technology, talent acquisition technology, um, advisory and research. So I've been an analyst for about two decades, which is 
probably a very long time to be to, <laughs> to be an analyst, but I love um, this this area. I love TA Tech. Absolutely, we uh, we were in a, a presentation earlier, and they were asking um, uh, about decades of experience, and uh, I was trying to hide when they went over <laughs> twenty years, <laughs> and I had to work it out. But it's uh, you know more than twenty, less than twenty five. Yeah. So I'm sti- yeah, I'm sticking it's still with good. that. It's, yeah. Absolutely, we've kind of been having some conversations uh, today around personalization in uh, talent acquisition in terms of the candidate experience, the application experience, the assessment experience, the onboarding experience. And there's some pretty, uh, there's some pretty kind of great technology out there sort of making that happen. What's your take on personalization in talent acquisition? Is it happening? Um, how far away are we from it? What's your, what's your take on things? Yeah, it's interesting because I think if we look back like 10 years, personalization did not happen. We weren't seeing any personalization. Candidates didn't receive responses. And to some extent, that's still going on. You know, we know, we found in our research, like 62% of hourly workers receive no response whatsoever. So regardless of personalization, they're not even getting a human interaction at all. And technology has really made personalization come to life, which I think sounds maybe like you know, that might not be the case. You know, you think personalization, you think you need humans. We're seeing technology plays a role in help, helping personalization. We see that with conversational AI, which is what we've been talking about for the past two days. And that plays a huge role because you're creating experiences through conversation where somebody can get questions answered in a way that's 24-7, on time, real time, and it feels really personal to what their experiences are. And when you have that sort of experience, there's no judgment, there's more humanity. I think it, it creates you know, the, this better experience. But to be able to think about personalization, not just on a career site, which I think is where we see a lot of the innovation, but to think about it when someone's taking an interview, could they get feedback? Could they get feedback specific to what they've gone through that's automated? Could they have an onboarding onboarding experience where, you know, we talked about a couple examples, like, should I bring lunch on the first day? What should I wear on the first day? What's what's the environment? That's all personal and it's important. It's very real. You know, these aren't silly little things. And if we can do it through technology, that's that's amazing. Absolutely. And do you think it's something that will be important to employers? It's, it's obviously yeah. important to candidates. It's something that for decades we've been talking about the candidate experience. But we've been talking about a good experience, not necessarily a personalized experience. And I think obviously we're now at the stage where technology can deliver that personalization. Do do you think it's something that employers will be looking very carefully at, prioritizing? I think they're starting to. I think branding plays a role in that. I think companies are held accountable for the experiences they give candidates. And we're seeing that with employer branding. We're seeing that with different sites. So they, they do care about that. And I think the situation that we've been in in the past year with the labor shortage or, you know, not the labor shortage, whatever, you know, aspect you want to talk about. I think that companies are really focused on talent acquisition for the first time. We have to think about the candidate experience. We have to think about ensuring that they have some type of humanity or personalization. Otherwise, they're going to go somewhere else. I mean, I think the other thing with personalization that people don't talk about a lot is that there's an efficiency aspect or a speed aspect. If you're personalizing that experience and you're creating engagement, even through technology, you're moving someone along faster than you would be 
without that. You know, there's it's, it's, it's benefiting, I think, a lot of things that employers do care about. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And I suppose the, the other aspect of, of all of this is change. So yeah. employers are having to change what they do um, very, very quickly to adjust to the new technology, to adjust to the market. What are you seeing people do to drive that change? You know, I think what's interesting is like in 2020, change happened overnight, right? It just, you had no choice. You woke up and things were different and you had to change right away. And a lot of it was a Band-Aid approach. So we're just going to go to remote hiring or we're going to stop hiring or we're going to focus on other things. And we're going to do all of that maybe without a long-term vision. Um, And I think then we saw this ramp up happen last year where all of a sudden people woke up and it was like hiring goals were through the roof and things changed without any type of ramp up whatsoever. And again, there wasn't a lot of time to think through this change piece. I think where we're at now in 2022 is companies have to start rebuilding. So it's not just rethinking and it's not just changing because we have to survive. It's now saying, can we rebuild? Can we put a strategy together? And I think for a lot of organizations, there isn't that push pause, let's think about change and being strategic around it. It's just this go, go, go mindset. I mean, I think change is an important, I love that this question because I think we have to push pause and we have mm. to think about, mm. are we set up to be successful through change for the long term? And so a, a, a final question to you. Yeah. Very interesting times in the vendor market at the moment. Oh, with, yes. You know, technology and, and the trends that are going on. What are you seeing? What's characterizing 2022? What's, what's kind of happening in the, in the technology market? So I think a few things stand out to me. I think companies are investing in technology. I think that's a huge trend. We're seeing that companies want technology. Talent acquisition leaders are very sophisticated in how they think about technology. And we're seeing that this is such an important area for organizations. And that's that's been a shift over the past two years. Um, I think that the landscape is so confusing. It's incredibly complex. It's very difficult to figure out how to build a tech stack and one that's going to be effective and what is actually going to be used by organizations. And then I think the final piece is a little bit near and dear to my heart because we've been doing a lot of research on it is the recruiter experience. Like what recruiters want to use for technology is very different in some cases than what organizations buy. So we're seeing these tech stacks being built and recruiters saying, I don't want to use that. Mm. And we mm. have to, there's change to that. You know, recruiters sometimes have to go through change to, to do that. And sometimes it's not the right technology and we have to adjust to that. So I'm, I feel very positive when we see things like conversational AI, which is what we've been talking about, or programmatic job advertising or a lot of the sourcing solutions, because that really provides a better recruiter experience. And I think that needs to be a theme in the future of TA Tech. I could not agree with you more. Madeline, thank you very much for talking to me. Thanks, Matt. Hi, Adam, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. It's my absolute pleasure. Could you just introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do? Sure thing. Uh, My name is Adam Chen. I am currently the CMO and CXO of a company called the Amenity Collective um, and one of our main subsidiaries, American Pool, um, I was a former CIO of. So uh, hopefully I'll be able to provide some unique insights sitting at the intersection of technology and communications. Tell us a bit more about your your role and and, how that kind of impacts on, on talent acquisition. Sure. So our company, uh, I joined the company fairly recently in March 2020, and uh, we are at uh, an intersection point. Um, 
we staff uh, in the pool business about 10,000 summer seasonal lifeguards. And we were working with some legacy software um, that was no longer working for us. It was working against us and driving incredible inefficiencies in business process for some of our recruiting teams um, scattered across the country. Um, so my initial mandate joining the company was ultimately to help uh, source and then implement uh, technology solutions um, that would allow us to free up our employees' capacity um, so ultimately that they can deliver a uh, better applicant experience. But really, ultimately, what I'm talking about is um, building deeper relationships with our talent pool. And ultimately, that's the success of any business, right? Mm. It's, it's people mm. and making that real connection and aligning people on vision. And we, we quite honestly weren't able to really fulfill that promise um, with some of our own old legacy uh, software. So um, I'm very excited two years in on Paradox and the, the, the time to hire has, has shrunk greatly um, and it has enabled our people to start affecting that change. Um, and ultimately that is making us more successful as a company. Fascinating stuff. And I'm really interested in what you say there about the, you know, the fact that this isn't just about process efficiency. It's about people. It's about building those relationships with the, with the, with the talent pool. Talk us through that a, a, a little bit, just in terms of how that works. If I was a, an, an applicant, what would be my experience and how would I really build a relationship with your brand? Sure thing, Matt. That's a, that's a great question. Um, so I, I mentioned that we have about 10,000 seasonal lifeguards that we hire. Um, I would say that that's really made up of two different cohorts, uh, mainly. Um, the biggest cohort is teenagers. And I'm going to focus on them for, for a second. Teenagers are not looking for career jobs, not at the age that we're hiring them. We start hiring in certain states based on, obviously, local labor laws, um, sometimes at 15 years old. Wow. And, um, you know, those, those, those kids, uh, teenagers, right, um, sometimes they don't even want their job, to be perfectly honest. It's, it's <laughs> mom and dad telling them, you need to get a summer job. Get out of the house, <laughs> right? And... Um, you know, because of that, there's this inertia that we have to overcome, right? This resistance to actually progressing through the applicant process. And we used to have some cumbersome legacy software, some of it homegrown, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, when you're in a, in a business and you start developing your own software, it's the classic build versus buy scenario, you know? And uh, yes, we made it work for us over the long haul, but the cost of maintenance of that, that solution um, was, was really cost prohibitive at a certain point. Um, so, so what we're looking to do ultimately is, you know, find good technology partners um, that that's their core mission. So we can focus on our core mission. Um, and, and, you know, Paradox fits that bill perfectly. They've been able to really allow us to shortcut some of that time to hire. And I would say that's the key metric um, that ultimately allows us to be successful. Again, you've got these kids that don't necessarily want this job. Um, so they're forced to. And really there's two motivating factors there it's how much can you pay them per hour because they do care about money i think everyone does yeah but um ultimately it's who's going to put that offer in front of them first and when it used to take days sometimes weeks to usher these candidates along the journey to get them to show up for the interview um all of these points those are all friction points that will allow us to lose those candidates to competition yeah and not just competition in our industry hiring lifeguards um 
but to competition just for pure summer jobs, right? And there's a lot of, uh, you know, obviously you can go flip burgers or, you know, you can go work at the local Target down the street, um, you know, and they're advertising uh, pretty high hourly rates nowadays. You got to compete for this talent. Um, so Paradox ultimately enables us to get that offer out incredibly quickly. Um, I'll share an anecdote. We actually had, um, you know, our, uh, our our president of Commercial Aquatics Division. He uh, he at the beginning of this past season wanted to try it out for himself. He was just given this new position to oversee our entire operation, and uh, he wanted to experience that candidate experience. So he actually went through Paradox, texted to apply on a Monday evening. He was scheduled and had an interview with one of our offices. Secret shopper type. They didn't know. <laughs> he shows up at 9 a.m. on the next morning, on Tuesday morning, and has that interview. Pretends the whole time. Um, and it was great. And you know what? He got his fake offer letter that same day on Tuesday. That's incredible. A 24-hour turnaround from ap application to, to hire. Incredible. Now, of course, lifeguards still need to go through training, so it didn't end yeah. there. But. Yeah. But, uh, did, did he not become a lifeguard in the end? <laughs> he did not become a lifeguard. I, I think he's past that point. In his ah, career. he should have followed it through. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny. What a great piece of marketing material. We have our, our president of commercial operations sitting in a lifeguard chair, one of our community pools. Exactly. That's a photo exactly. op. So, um, you know, with your with your background in, in marketing and, and, and technology, I'm sure that you have looked at personalization uh, a lot in the past and considered it as a as a technology trend. We're only really just beginning to see it happening in talent acquisition. You know, yes. some of that's because of technology and also a lot of it is maybe because of legacy thinking and processes. I suppose following on from what you were just saying, how important is personalization and, and where can you see it going? Wow. How important is personalization? I think personalization is incredibly important, um, but I also think a little bit misunderstood uh, in some ways. Um, I think ultimately you want to be able to offer a tailored experience, but it can only go so far. I think people are pretty, pretty intelligent and with it these days. And ultimately they know if they're talking to a real person or not. So I, I think the limits of what AI and conversational AI can do are, are capped, but that's actually a good thing. I don't think we truly want to get to the point of, you know, true artificial intelligence as, as you know, they might go to, um, right? I, I don't want to hide and I don't want to be disingenuous to the people that we're speaking with. I, I want to be forthcoming that, yes, this, this is a virtual, you know, assistant or conversation, um, you know, and I, I think anything, you know, with AI and machine learning, right, it takes time, obviously, to build up that database of responses or image recognition or whatever the case is. Um, and I think that's a big misunderstanding. I think people truly think of like this, you know, sentient artificial intelligence, and that's not really what it is, yeah. right? Yeah, it's yeah. machine learning. And I think yeah. that's a more accurate description. Um, but uh, it's really exciting to see a company like Paradox innovate in this space. Um, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's allowing our people to, you know, find, find some of those efficiencies, to have this virtual assistant help them with their jobs, um, right? And, and that, that, that in and of itself is, is a massive gain for our company. I wanted to ask you uh, about change because um, obviously everything in talent acquisition is changing at the moment because uh, re recruiting and, you know, and retention is, is, is so hard. Obviously, in the case of your organization, you were looking to, you were looking to make a change. Uh, what would your advice be to other employers who really need to mm. change up what they do? They, probably, they may need to use technology to do that. How do they drive that through an organization? Wow, that's the million-dollar question, isn't it, Matt? Um, 
driving change is hard. I, I think... I think it's easy to buy into a vision, but then not really understand the steps it takes to actually affect that change. And often it starts at the top. And I think that's where all organizations really need to start, is making sure that they get executive buy-in from the top so that those executives truly believe in what you're trying to push, and then they can push that down to their teams. Um, too often in my career, I've seen uh, you know, change initiatives fail simply because of that fact. Um, and maybe it's sometimes purposeful, sometimes it's inadvertent, but they end up, people without buy-in end up sabotaging some of these change efforts. Um, so I, I think that's where you have to start. I think the other thing in HR technology specifically is, is you know, I, I believe HR budgets have, you know, for, for, for a really long time, really been underfunded, right? I, the, um, you know, if you, if you believe in the adage that, you know, uh, happy employees make happy clients or happy applicants, you know, that's where the money needs to be invested first, right? If, if, if your pain as an employee going to work every day, um, you're not going to bring your best self to work. You're not going to go treat that client or that applicant or whomever, right, with, with you know, your best or, or be a proper agent of a company that the company would be proud of. No, you're just going to do what it takes to get home. So I think that's where it all starts. So um, oftentimes I think that sits in the CFO's office, right? It's in finance. And ultimately getting the buy-in of the financial decision makers in your organization um, is what's going to enable that change to happen. That's the starting point, but it doesn't stop there. No, I Absolutely, it's a it's a it's a long a long and sometimes difficult process. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure. Um, as a as a final question, we're kind of at this point at the moment. We're seeing some great technologies coming into the market and being immediately practically useful for for, for organisations. At the same time, you know, there's a lot of technology on the horizon that's kind of coming towards us, whether that's Web three or the metaverse or whatever, um, whatever <laughs> else is being is being dreamed up. What do you think the the future looks like for, for for talent acquisition and technology if we were if we were having this conversation in i don't know two years time what what might we be talking about wow well you rattled off a couple buzzwords there and i, I say buzzwords because um i truly believe that's what they are uh, now innovation needs to happen but you know People can espouse any of these, uh, you know, trending topics all they want, but um, that's not going to actually drive that change. That's not what's going to drive the innovation or drive the future of what recruiting looks like. Um, it's going to take... It's going to take a feedback loop, I think, ultimately. It's going to take innovative companies with strong leadership that have a vision. But then I think it's about partnering with the boots on the ground, the clients of those tools, and, and having a two-way dialogue to ultimately drive that innovation to a point that's actually useful. Um, and, and I think it's in the, the details there, that nuance of how do we get from here to there? That's what is ultimately going to be what we're talking about. It's what are those tactics? Like the strategy is easy. It's the tactics to affect that strategy and push organizations, especially incumbents and in industries along that journey. That's going to be very difficult, which then comes down to people. Right? So I think it's going to take a unique mindset, not just a product company, but ultimately thinking of software and technology more as consultants to other businesses and partnering together to ultimately drive what consumer expectations ultimately desire. Adam, thank you very much for talking to me. It's wonderful talking to you, Matt. Thank you. Hi, Rachel. Welcome to the podcast. 
Hi, thanks for having me. An absolute pleasure to be talking to you. Could you just introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Yeah, my name is Rachel O'Connell and I'm Vice President of HR for Great Wolf Lodge. For people who are listening who might not know what Great Wolf Lodge is and does, could you just give us a quick overview? Yes, Great Wolf is America's premier uh, family vacation destination. Uh, We are a series of indoor water park and amusement resorts. Uh, for families. Tell us about the kind of recruiting challenges that you that you have. Yeah, I, you know, I think a lot of people who are in the space of recruiting frontline hourly positions are probably facing many of the same challenges. Uh, we are always looking for more candidates to apply for our positions, and that's become increasingly difficult uh, throughout the pandemic. Um, we're also looking to really increase our presence in schools and, and with students um, and making sure that we're getting in front of the individuals that are going to be interested in our positions. Um, so, yeah, there's there's lots of challenges at the moment. I suppose particularly with, with any any kind of audience that you're talking to, but particularly if you're talking to a, to a younger audience, we're, we're talking about potential hires who, who expect a personalized experience. They kind of expect a degree of personalization. Is that something that you're considering and addressing in terms of what you're doing? Yeah, I think with today's job seeker, it's really important not only to meet them where they're at and, and speak to them in the way and communicate with them in the way that they want to be communicated with, um, but to make them feel unique and special throughout the process. Process, um, and that they are not just part of the cattle call uh, for filling open positions. And so uh, we have explored this. We're actually working with Paradox at the moment to implement their experience assistant product, um, which will help us to create these curated experiences on the job website based on what the job seeker is most interested in and serving them up content based on their preferences. Um, so for us, yeah, it's it's certainly, I think we're at the beginning of that journey um, and making sure that we're approaching the candidate experience the same way that we would a guest experience. Uh, but I definitely believe that is the future for job seekers. And I suppose zeroing in on, on, on the future, we've seen huge disruptive change in the last couple of years caused by the pandemic and the development of technology. What do you think the future of talent acquisition looks like? If we were having this conversation again in in two years time, what would we be talking about? Uh, I mean, I'm not sure I have the crystal ball, but uh, I think that the death of the applicant tracking system is probably closer than we all know. Uh, I also think it's really important to Gen Z specifically uh, that you are putting forth an employment brand that helps them feel connected to something more purposeful than just getting a job. Um, And so making connections with individuals and helping them understand how they contribute and have an impact to something, uh, I think is going to take a bigger presence in the way that people market their positions. Rachel, thank you very much for talking to me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Hi, Victor, and welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Matt. Happy to be here. Absolutely. And it's, it's really nice to be talking to you face to face after talking through a screen last time. Yes, exactly. I have to say, I, it's, I'm struggling to say, now I understand what you look like and we've talked so long. So <laughs> this is fantastic. So um, for people who, who may not have caught the episode that you did a few months ago, could you just introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Yeah, of course. So my name is Victor Gaines. I lead recruiting at Aviana Healthcare. Um, so Aviana Healthcare is a home health platform. I have a team of about 70 folks who are facilitating about 12,000 hires a year 
in that challenging home healthcare space. It was a fascinating com- conversation last time. We were talking about automation and how it was driving efficiencies and improving the candidate experience and, and all those sort of things. Um, the, the big theme that I've been seeing in the presentations, the, the event that we're at today and the other conversations I've been having is personalization and personalization moving into talent acquisition. So what's your view on that? How do you think you, it would develop? How does it kind of fit into to, to what you do in your organization? Yeah, it's a great question, Matt. And I think, you know, we've been talking about it a lot recently at work because we're trying to figure out how do we differentiate the employee value proposition for caregivers who, you know, who, who are attracted to our industry, who are attracted to this sort of work for various reasons. And so what we have landed on is that um, we're pursuing these personas and we're defining the personas and we're saying, for example, um, you know, you might have a new grad nurse and the messaging behind what's important for the new grad nurse has to be specific to that position because it doesn't apply to a nurse who also might like our job, who might be, um, you know, five years from retirement and is looking at our work for a very different reason. So we firmly believe that if we can identify those personas and we can then craft messaging that makes sense for each of those personas, and that's probably going to capture 70 or 80 percent of our target population or the, or the target talent pool. And what role is technology going to play in that? So I think technology will be huge, right? Because technology will be part of the, uh, the vehicle that we use to communicate this to them. You know, I think historically we've thought about um, caregivers or candidates coming to us, coming to the website, learning about us, making a decision about what to do. What we're realizing now post pandemic is that we have to push the message out to them. We have to have a vehicle to get it to them. And so maybe that is through conversational assistant, right? Maybe that is through, um, you know, text messaging. Maybe that's through, um, you know, tracking IP addresses and, and, and pushing the message up where they happen to be surfing. But I think technology is going to be an enormous factor in how we get that message out. So we're, we're living through a time of immense show up, immense change in everything, but immense change in, in talent acquisition. I, as someone leading talent acquisition, how are you managing that change and driving it and, and making sure that what you do in TA is, is, is fit for purpose and evolving at an appropriate speed? It's a great question. Um, you know, we have to be very sensitive to what is happening in the market. We have to be sensitive to the fact that the pandemic has changed how people think about work, how they think about how they look for work. Um, And so now that means that we need to be able to go out and meet those candidates where they are, but they're not in the same place that they were two and a half years ago. And so for us being innovative, for us staying ahead of that curve means watching the market, listening to the feedback, tracking the data, and then really adjusting our practices to, to meet those candidates where they either are now or where we think they're going next. So as, as a final question, and I asked you this question before a few months ago, but I'm interested to see uh, if, if your thinking has, has changed or evolved. What's the, what's the future of talent acquisition? I, so part of me is thinking, what did I say last time, Matt? But I also think that the future probably continues to evolve. So even if I said something different before, um, I think the future of recruiting is, again, understanding where your candidates are, Having a strategy in place that allows you to pursue that talent, uh, either, again, where they are or where they're headed. And I think it's also continuing to balance 
and I think we talked about this last time, continuing to balance the technology with the human touch. Um, I think technology will continue to become more important in the recruiting process and how recruiting leaders are, are executing their strategies. But we always have to remember that recruiting is a people first function and uh, you just can't over rotate one way or the other. Absolutely. Victor, thank you for talking to me. You are welcome. Thanks for having me. My thanks to Madeline, Adam, Rachel and Victor. And a huge thank you to everyone at Paradox for being such fantastic hosts. It was brilliant to be face-to-face interviewing again and look out for more interviews in the next episode of the show. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list to get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.